Welcome, White Sox fans, to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. Here are your hosts, Ian Eskridge and Danny Miller. Well, hello, White Sox fans, and welcome to another edition of White Sox Daily Live. My name is Ian Eskridge. Here is my co-host, the Danny Miller. How you doing, Danny? To say that, uh, you know, not that it always hasn't been, but it is a pleasure to be with here with you tonight. You know, uh, as we get further and further into this off season after what have been an absolutely, I don't know, for lack of better words, atrocious past two seasons, uh, you know, the uh, the taint of what was during those two seasons is kind of I'm, I'm I'm letting go of of the hatred and the anger uh, little by little, uh, and I'm just trying to find new rays of hope. So I don't know it's gotten easier to uh, get on here and chat with you on Monday nights as I you know retrain my brain to do that so i'm kind of hoping i can do the you know i'm hoping we i should say could uh help some other white Sox fans uh find some positives to uh continue on with your white Sox fandom i don't know man i just it's it's my only hope at this point right now how you doing this evening dude what's uh what's going on in your world i'm doing all right you know um I I agree with you, you know. I think that uh we definitely need to move past 2023 because that was uh pretty much the worst baseball experience that I've had in uh pretty much in my life. Um yeah. I can't <laughs> I can't think of any any year that was worse due to the expectations and just how it ended up uh, playing out. And it was just, uh, it was just not fun, you know, and I'm looking forward to turning the page and, you know, there was a, uh, you know, there was a, a big move this week and uh, you know, I mean, not huge mind you, you know, but we'll go through the, we'll go through the trade of Aaron bummer. Um, and I mean, in in the world of what we could have expected, I would say it was actually pretty huge. You know, it was. I mean, I mean, when you when you really break it down, for what Aaron Bummer was going to do for the White Sox this coming year, uh, and keeping the status quo of the roster going, um, if they did that, uh, Aaron Bummer was. L- not going to do a whole lot for White Sox fans except for frustrate them, you know, Um, especially with bad defense. We've seen, you know, we saw how he, how he, uh, how things went for him. So, uh, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, So, uh, you know, free agency is on and popping right now. And a couple of uh, old friends got some deals today. And uh, indeed, one of those people, is Ronaldo Lopez, who reunited with Aaron Bummer down in Atlanta, signing a three-year, $30 million deal with the Braves. And they're saying that they might give him opportunity to become a starting pitcher again. What do you think about that? Uh, well, you know, I, my personal opinion is that uh, I'm, first off, happy 
that uh, Reynaldo is uh, making his way into an organization that uh, in recent years has uh, been synonymous with uh, the word win and being a winner. Uh, something that I think Raylo is probably going to enjoy after spending so many seasons uh, with the Southsiders. Uh, but as far as him becoming a uh, starter, I, I, I don't know. I just feel like that ship has sailed. Uh, we as White Sox fans had seen it maybe as a spot starter, you know, uh, I can see that type of thing being, uh, you know, the case, uh, as it kind of was thought that it might be had he stayed on the South side, you know, especially with, uh, the pitching staff that we've watched over the last couple of seasons, but, uh, you know, Raylo had found himself a pretty good position as a back of the bullpen pitcher. Uh, somebody who can be counted on in the right high leverage situations. I won't say all high leverage situations, but in the right high leverage situations. And, uh, you know, it, I really don't know what Atlanta uh, is planning on doing with them. You know, they say there's that possibility, but uh, obviously they have a coaching staff and an analytics team down there that uh, might see something different than we've seen. So, you know, good for him. But I personally don't see it. I don't really know. Uh, I honestly can't comment any further than the fact that, you know, I just have to go off of what I've seen here in a White Sox uniform and uh my opinion is he's just better off as a guy who's uh, going to get you a couple innings a week instead of, uh, you know, five to seven innings in a start. Yeah, I mean, uh, so they they made a, a couple of other moves as well. And um, so they picked up, uh, you know, obviously they picked up Bummer, um, but they also picked up uh, Jackson Coar, who was supposed to be uh, a guy coming out of the University of Florida, and you know, high, you know, coming out with pedigree out of the University of Florida from uh, just a, an absolute beast of a team that generated tons of major league talent, including Pete Alonzo, um, who I'll bring up later in, uh, in the stream, and um, also uh, just a bunch of other pitchers, including Dane Dunning. Uh, among other pitchers, um, and uh, you know they they you know the Royals put him in a, a, a relief role, and uh, you know kind of like how I feel about Aaron Bummer moving to Atlanta. Uh, I I feel like the defense that's going to be behind him, and with the staff that works with them down there, I kind of see. Out of all three of these guys that just signed or got traded to Atlanta, um, I kind of see the arrow pointing up on all three of them. And I would not be shocked to see all the stats for all these guys. You know, I mean, like Aaron Bummer's BABIP and just like all this, all this, you know, these numbers that just all equated to a. Uh, unpleasant experience watching him pitch in 2023. I kind of think that you're going to see for all of these guys, some of those things are going to kind of fade away a little bit. Yeah, I, I don't disagree, uh, especially on, you know, the aforementioned Aaron Bummer. Uh, and like I said, we'll get a little bit more into that later in the show, but, uh, you know, there's a good chance, a good possibility that he returns to the form that we had all hoped he would return the last couple of seasons. 
So, oh, time will tell. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I mean, you know, out of our hands now, you know, I mean, we like, we right. don't have to out of our eye, out of our, uh, we can just put blinders on and not pay attention. Um, you know, but I, that, that said, I would be kind of interested with uh, Bannister coming around. Like what the what the difference would be for a Ronaldo Lopez, what it would be for an Aaron Bummer, you know, because he has like he, he has the reputation of taking pitchers and taking what they do best and using it in situations where it's going to benefit the team the most. You know, so I, I I would be curious how that's going to work out. But then again, we get to watch it with all of our guys that are still here. And, uh, you know, we just have to hope that things are going to work like they did in San Francisco, where he, he helped improve many pitchers to become the best that they could be, or at least, you know, the perceived perceived as best as they could be, you know, um, Gaussman being one of the the top guys, you know, is getting Cy Young votes and uh, just became really nasty once he started throwing that slider so much. So, um, so yeah. Uh, Also, um, Lance Lynn uh, found himself uh, a new location to allow home runs at uh, in St. Louis. And uh, he signed a – now, this this contract is (laughs) – uh, you could say it's uh, incentive laden. I mean, actually, Jerry would probably absolutely love this deal. Uh, it is a two year deal, technically, but it is definitely a one year, $10 million deal with a buyout of $1 million for 2025. But they also have the option that they would keep him in 2025 and it would basically end up being, uh, I don't know. $13 million or something like that. So basically $24 million total that the deal could be worth. Um, how much of that deal do you think he makes it through? Uh, $5 million worth of it? Well, I mean, he's going to at least get 10. <laughs> so Is it I mean, 10 guaranteed? Because I'm thinking, yeah. you know, he, he might only play half a seat. I, you know, and I shouldn't say that. I, here's a guy we've we've talked about it many times before. Where, uh, you know, he's he's been known to go out and eat up a lot of innings. You know, they didn't call him Tonka for nothing. He was built tough until say the last year and a half or in a White Sox uniform where uh, he kind of took a beating and he kind of threw a lot of pitches in short outings, and you know, it was given up. I said it was almost like clockwork in 2023 where he was going to go out and in the first inning give up 30, you know, throw 35 pitches to get out of the inning. Uh, and like you said, he was going to give up a bunch of dingers because he's going to fall behind an account or he's going to get ahead in an account and then Picasso everything until he gets behind an account and he's going to serve one up. Uh, you know, I don't know. Uh, he's on the wrong side of he's in the back end of his 30s now. He is not a young man anymore, and he does have a lot of mileage on that arm. So, I, I you know, I would be shocked if he makes it through a full season next year. Yeah, I'm it might be it board. might be a bad prediction, but hate to talk ill of anyone, but the mileage is is it's adding up. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, obviously, as you, as you said, you know, you start getting deeper and deeper into the into the thirties there, and you generally don't get better. <sighs> 
um, you know, save for a few Hall of Fame worthy pitchers that are going right now. Um, and uh, and even a couple of those guys are beat up and dinged up and I've seen their injuries pile up in, in recent years. Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, JV had his uh, had Tommy John and, uh, you know, took a little bit of time off. And Scherzer's been going through a bunch of issues with his with his arm as well. Um, yeah. As, as you get older, you know, it's to be expected that there's going to be some breakdown there. Um, just unfortunately, you know, for Lance Lynn, it happened real quick. And, um, you know, I, I you know, we've had this conversation last year season um that we wondered kind of how much the baseball classic uh kind of had something to do with him not being around the team and not going through and maximizing his uh pitchability if you will uh last year and um yeah i don't know we'll see what happens this year we'll see if he can regain some of that uh you know that stuff that we liked about watching him pitch um, but I, I'm not entirely uh, optimistic, personally. <laughs> right. Um, Looks as though our our Facebook feed is cutting in and out. Oh, really? It's uh, one of our uh, our chatters has jumped in to let us know. Hmm. Interesting. Listen, uh, if you guys are uh, if you guys are on you know, Facebook and it's, it's going in and out. You can always uh, jump onto the YouTube channel. Yep. White Sox daily. Uh, check us out there. Give us a like and a follow. Maybe uh, things are going a little bit better there. We're also on uh, our uh, live Twitch stream as well at uh, daily White Sox. Yeah. That's kind of odd because it's not, it's not telling me that it's having any issues whatsoever, but go figure. Um, so um, the, other uh, interesting White Sox news, other than the trade, which we'll get to in a in in a little bit. Um, so, uh, Marcus Timms had a interview on six seventy to score inside the clubhouse, I believe, is the program that it was on, um, and he discussed his philosophy for hitting. And I, I don't know if you caught last week. Um, where he was asked a question about hitting and he had kind of mentioned hit and run and uh, getting on base and uh, making contact and things like that. Did you happen to catch any of that stuff? Uh, I did. I caught uh, a little bit of before when, uh, when Marcus was on and, you know, I kind of listened right up until they started talking about the Cubs stuff there and uh, kind of shut it down but yeah well some interesting stuff going on for sure yeah i like the 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 hit and run thing and uh that stuff uh the, the contact stuff was kind of worrisome because if you remember last year's and tlr's time um <laughs> There's, a, there's. A I mean, how can that. I forget? <laughs> how can it's, any I mean, of us forget? Such a good time, uh, you know. When I fondly look back on my life and remember those times, um, yeah, pain leaves scars, man. Yeah, <laughs> I'm scarred. Um, and it, it, you know that thing kind of worried me a little bit. Um, you know, when when you look at what he had in Anaheim in Shohei and Mike Trout, 
Um, those guys kind of uh, probably work things out pretty much on their own, being the best two players in baseball over the last 10 years, roughly. Um, but, uh, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, you know, some of the guys that were in the lineup that weren't necessarily expected to put up good numbers did fairly well under him, and he's had a, a couple of runs in different places. You know, with the Yankees, he did he did well as uh, also uh, as an assistant. Um, you know, one thing that kind of caught me a little bit off guard um, when they asked him about you know if he uses numbers, uses analytics stuff um, to to help guys prepare, and he says he looks at that, but he also uses his eyes and I think gut was the word. Yeah. Yeah. I think gut was the word he actually used. I I still my gut as well. I said, uh, okay. Yeah. I mean that, that whole thing about, uh, you know, uh, visual analytics, uh, as TLR, I believe called it, Uh, (laughs) um, that whole thing kind of scares me a little bit. Um, you know, especially, you know, and also, you know, the issue last year is that you've also got these guys talking to three different guys. So they, they also asked him how important it was to have one voice in there. And he says he likes to talk to the players and see what they're seeing, you know, hear what they're seeing. And um, he said he's just going to do his best to get them prepared. You know, he'll do video work and all that stuff. So, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. But then again, you know, how much... Is a hit. I know that everybody's least liked guy on the White Sox is the hitting coach. I mean, it's you know it's been that way for a long time. (laughs) At least till TLR and uh, Pedro showed up, that was who the least liked person was. Right. Um, But uh, I don't know. You know, I don't know how important it really is. You know, it's kind of one of those things you always hear. Well, you know, hitting coaches don't really matter that much. I've also heard that managers aren't really that important, but you know we've seen how that's played out over the last couple of years. Did, when I mean, have you heard? Whoa, I lost you. What was that? I said, have you heard Todd Stevenson do an interview? And I know he's not there anymore, but I mean, have you heard him do well, an interview? Well, he's in the front office, according to the uh, the front office list. Uh, whatever he was, he was easy not to like. As a hitting coach, I'll just say that. I mean, That's he true. didn't really. I, I don't. I never heard the guy say anything that I thought sounded like what a hitting coach should be saying. Nothing against the guy. I don't know him personally. This is not a personal attack, but come on. But anywho, and I'm getting off the uh, getting off the real subject here. You know, just kind of piggybacking off of the idea of hitting coaches being unlikable. <laughs> I mean. That we've had we've had a few of those people that have been <coughs> easily unlikable. I guess would be the way. Oh, hey, there you are. Old yeah, James see that? there on the YouTube's. <coughs> see you, man. Um, yeah. yeah. So uh, he also talked about uh, going to see, uh, actually talking to Eloy on the phone, and uh, talking to him about the work that he's been doing. Um, saying that he's been working on uh, getting more athletic and, uh, you know, trying to uh, – one of the things that he tried to impress on 
Eloy is that instead of trying to hit pitchers pitches just because you can sound me if this uh, stop me if you think this sounds familiar um, he's not to be chasing pitchers pitches and hitting them just because he can because he's got great bat to ball skills but he's supposed to be punishing pitches that he can get to easily shocking shocking news right there you know I mean it, it's just like yeah, man. Like, I don't know who was talking to these guys and was telling them, you know, anything that gets up there, <coughs> just try and get on base. You know, like you're a run producer. You're supposed to be doing damage. You should swing at the ball as such, <laughs> you know, instead of trying to swing at anything and just like, you know, dribble a single, especially when you're, you're telling me with those hamstrings that you should be legging out a single. Right. And I, I think it was Mike Esposito that was kind of conducting that interview at that particular moment. And, uh, you know, he says, <laughs> like, basically it's been said that, you know, uh, you can't teach guys how to walk once they reach the MLB level, uh, either have it or you don't. And then he said, well, I've also heard that you can. And he was asking, you know, Marcus, what his thoughts were on that kind of philosophy. And Marcus kind of seemed to think that he can make guys like Aloy and Yoan be more selective uh, just because, you know, just because it's a strike and it's going to nip the zone and you can possibly put the ball in play doesn't mean that you have to. If you force pitchers to maybe miss on a few more of those where they're trying to throw you that down and away junk that you think might nip the zone, but they might miss, you're going to see more pitches and you're going to get that one that catches the plate. It's not a difficult philosophy. It's one that we've been talking about around here, and I think pretty much every other blogger and podcaster and announcer out there has been talking about it. But it's also one that uh, the White Sox seem just absolutely allergic to learning. That skill just, it, it, it befuddles me. That yeah, I understand. These guys are, are professionals, and they are taught to attack the strike zone. But, uh, yeah, you can't always do that. Yeah, no. I like one of the things that that part of the problem here is that when you look at a Luis Robert, when you look at Eloy Jimenez, when you look at those two guys, they can take, you know, a terrible pitcher's pitch out to opposite field. And they can do damage on that. But you know, if they get something in their wheelhouse and they start planning to hit that instead, that's when they really become dangerous. And I, I think part of the part of the issue is that you know they they kind of got a little too uh, well. Eloy in particular got a little too uh, complacent with taking what they were giving him and trying to drive you know drive the ball to the opposite field and get a single, as opposed to doing damage on a pitch on a mistake pitch you know it's like right you could you could watch the white Sox every game last year and it's the the amount of mistakes that they hit and hit hard very very small amount 
Right. You know, which when we used to watch them, you know, say in 2020 or even 2019, you know, when a pitcher made a mistake, they made him pay. And it seemed like that kind of went by the wayside in 21, 22, and 23. You know? So, I don't know. I mean, there's still, it seems like there's a common denominator where those, uh, you know, philosophy changes seem to have happened and kind of snowballed. You know, we won't mention his name. Maybe we'll see him run across our screen here. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe. Um, I'll have to. I'll have to see if he's even here. I don't know if he. I don't know. Oh, yeah, if he dig him out tonight or not. Yeah, we dusted him. Gonna dust him off. We haven't. Yeah. Uh, we haven't brought the old uh, Tony Turkey trot out in a while. No, we have not. And you know that might be. I reworked the whole scene, and he doesn't look like he's in here. So I'd have to. I'll have to import him and bring him in here. I have to send him. In, send him an invite and uh, bring him in. Um. Yeah. So, uh, let me see here. Um, Chris Getz uh, said that he flew down to the Dominican to see Eloy recently. He and, did. Uh, said that he looks uh, like he's in good shape. And he's like he's in the best shape of his life. <laughs> added 15 pounds of muscle, no doubt. Um, yeah. And uh, said that he looks good and said that he seems motivated. Um, now, personally, I kind of think he's on his way out the door. And this is one of the things I wanted to talk to you about tonight was who do you think is next out the door from the trade block? Oh, Jimenez. Sorry. Who do I think is next out the door? It's Aloy Jimenez. Because, and I'll, I'll tell you why, it, it goes back to what we've been talking a lot about over the last couple of weeks and a certain interview with uh, a certain new addition to the White Sox front office uh, in Josh Barfield when he uh, he sat down with Chuck and he told them that, uh, you know, defense is going to be the main focus in the upcoming season, at least for 2024, if not much further beyond but, uh, <clears throat> you know, Elo in the last couple of seasons, uh, you know, after dealing with injury in 2022 and missing a, a good chunk of the season and coming back the second half and being a, a, a fairly productive DH and seemingly kind of falling into that role. And then we roll into 2023 and he's pissing and moaning about wanting to play the field and uh, kind of seemed to uh, fall into that category of DH that, you know, doesn't seem to do well unless he plays out in the field every now and again. Uh, I think those are all reasons that uh, Aloy is going to get shipped out because uh, he can still, he still has some value, right? You know, he had a down year last year, whatever. Uh, you know, he's had his share of injury problems, but the fact remains that defensively he is just not good. And that just does not fit the direction of this new White Sox. Yeah, uh, which we, you know, with the trade, you know, is it looks like he's already, you know, Chris Getz is already working on reworking the roster here. Uh, Bozy 70 chimes in, 
It's like with Ozzy Guillen promoting small ball, Ozzy ball, which I guess loosely translated meant hit for power, a lot of it at least in 2008. Yeah, and they weren't slouches in 2005 either, you know? No. Um, the, yeah, the uh, Ozzy ball thing uh, translates to have uh, players that are good, that can hit, and hit the ball far. Uh, and when they don't hit it uh, over the fence, at least hit it to the fence hard, <laughs> you know? So, right. Yeah, I mean... It, it, Which is a it, philosophy that plays well in that particular stadium. When you're playing 81 of your 102 games uh, in that stadium, it's probably not a bad idea to uh, you know be uh, fairly decent on the defensive side and hit us hit some bombs. Yeah, seems to work it well for everybody <laughs> else. Um, it sure does. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right, so Aaron Bummer. Sent to Atlanta and returns five players. Now, personally, uh, we will get into uh, each individual player here. Um, Indeed, we will. I'm going to tell you how I felt about the trade, and then I want you to tell me how you felt about the trade. Sure. Sounds like a plan. So the idea here from Getz is that he's trying to rework the roster to get better defense, get more athletic, and we know that the White Sox have some starting pitching woes. You know, with trading, with uh, sending out Giolito and Lynn and Clevenger opting out, uh, not knowing what you're getting from Michael Kopech, you know, from game to game, or from day to day, really. Um, inning to inning. Yeah, and knowing whether or not he's going to be a reliever or not, you've got uh, – then you got Dylan Cease, which, you know, everybody and their grandmother is talking about Dylan Cease get traded right now, and everybody's, you know, trying to figure out, oh, how many top 100 prospects can we get? Oh, can we get uh, can we get uh, Kobe Mayo? Can we get Heston Kirstead? Can we get uh, you know Samuel Basayo? I mean, it's like everybody's coming up with their wish lists about what they want for Dylan Cease, and is just kind of you know everybody knows that Jerry's not going to want to spend the big money to resign him. Plus, right. he also had a down year last year compared to the year before, Cy Cease. Um, so pretty much everybody's just kind of thought it as a foregone conclusion that he's going to be gone. So you know that the White Sox need more starting pitching. Okay? So Chris Getz goes yeah. out and makes this trade, and he takes care of two things with one trade. He gets two defensive infielders who, I mean, to be honest, you know, like the bats are, are lacking, you know, like uh, each one of them showed, you know, skill sets in, in one shape or another with the bat, but, you know, they're mostly defensive. Then you get Mike Soroka and Jared Schuster, and then you get a flyer out of the U of I, uh, ninth-round draft pick Riley Gowans, um, who's from Libertyville, uh, who's got some nasty stuff. Um, yeah, bringing home some local talent. Yeah, but, um, you know, like I, I kind of I'm I'm with the trade, you know, um, I don't like I like I said earlier, I don't really see what Aaron Bummer is going to provide to the White Sox in 2024 that is worth keeping him around for when you can get something that is going to 
raised the talent floor of the entire 40-man roster and make you more athletic and uh, more defensively centered uh, because, you know, as we know, the important thing, catcher, second base, shortstop, center field, right up the middle. If those, if any one of those four spots is weak, the defense is going to be weak, you know? And right. as we've watched for years now, either one position or the other, or three out of four, two out of four, have been less than ideal defensively. And most of the time, less than ideal offensively as well. But you know, <laughs> I was just going to say, thank I mean, you for adding that in. Yeah, I mean, that is what it is. But um, so how do you feel about the five for one Aaron Bummer deal? Uh, you know what? I- I'm going to I'm going to play a little devil's advocate here. I'm going to start off by saying I don't hate the deal. But now I'm going to poo-poo on it a little bit, just just for a moment, if you will. Um, so you bring up the fact that, uh, you know, earlier in the show, we talked about Aaron Bumper going to the Braves and him becoming a part of an organization that uh, is is more on a winning trajectory than the White Sox have been for some time. And going somewhere where defensive metrics mean something and have been much better than they have been for Aaron on the south side. You say you don't see what Aaron Bummer could possibly do for the White Sox in 2023, which, or I'm sorry, 2024, which, you know, okay, I agree with that. You know, this team isn't going anywhere. But when you speak of raising the defensive floor with the players that they're getting in return, not a difficult thing to do for this no, White not. Sox team, number one. Uh, number two, if you are going to raise the defensive floor for this team and you're going to make them better defenders, I think Aaron Bummer might return at least somewhat to the guy that Aaron Bummer had been. There had been there were a lot of balls that you know kind of went through that maybe shouldn't when he played. And, you know, I mean, honestly, you brought up the BABIP. That guy seemed to get the the slow bouncer that barely squeaked by a glove more often than not. And did those things go down as was closest to them? No, because nobody ever got a glove on him. Yeah. But put the right player in there, put the right positioning with the right coaching staff, putting those guys out in the right spots, you know, might change that. And that BABIP number turns into, or I should say as ERA, and, and and his his pitching metrics, his peripherals, become much more close to what they should be when you look at the BABIP numbers. And he, when, when he's getting BABIP to death, you got to think that this guy can't be that unlucky all the time forever, right? Well, I mean, at least for two years in a row. I mean, the guy's whip yeah. was one and a half for the last, at least for the last two seasons. So, I mean, you can attribute that to, obviously, to defense, you know, the, the fact that, like you said, guys weren't getting to the these dribblers that are going through the infield. But and that's the thing. The balls are not he's not he's not giving up a ton of hard hit balls. No. He gives up a crap load of soft contact. And yeah. it, it, most teams would tell you that's what you want out of a reliever. You want a guy who's going to keep the ball down out of the air in the infield. And the White Sox 
defensive positioning has been putrid, one. And even when the def- positioning is right, you can't get a guy to get a glove on it or make a throw. Yeah. that's It's horrendous. And I, I think that he was the beneficiary of some really bad baseball behind him. So, yeah, I, I, this is I, – and I say, like I said, I don't hate on this trade at all. But And I do – believe that they did bring in some players that could help this team defensively. Like you say, though, the offense just isn't there for most of these guys. Yeah, uh, We've seen, we've seen a, a, a quite a bit of Nicky Lopez at the major league level. And, uh, you know, guys, you see, he's a Mendoza line type of hitter, you know, or just above maybe, but uh, you know, the other issue I have with this is the big name that a lot of people are talking about on the arm side of that deal. And everybody's like, Mike Soroka this and Mike Soroka that. Mike Soroka was a stud when he came up with the Braves four or five years ago. Yep. He went through a couple of busted Achilles, you know, not unlike somebody we know in the White Sox organization who is now in Jake Berger. But uh, my big Question on Soroka right now is Mike Soroka comes up, he pitches last season, pitches a good chunk of last season, and then gets shut, shut down, down in September, September. Mm, for not entirely accurate. We can we'll get to that though. Okay, well he he pitched some. We'll yeah, say that. no, he definitely did. I think he pitched like sixty innings or something. In uh, yeah, okay, well, it wasn't two hundred, but you know he he pitched a, a little bit and ended up getting shut down for. Uh, forearm inflammation and discomfort. And he went for, you know, some MRIs on that, and it revealed no tears. And, you know, of course, in what I would call true White Sox fashion, the Braves said, well, it doesn't require surgery. It's just uh, rest and relaxation and time off, and he should, you know, throw some throw some ice on it, rub some dirt on it. Rub It'll be fine. On it. But I have to ask you, in the last, I don't know, 10 years or so, anytime you heard a pitcher with forearm inflammation in their throwing arm and tightness and tenderness, how often, even when there's no tear found, how often does it eventually result in a season-ending and 12- to 18-month rehab when they go through a Tommy John surgery? Sure, there are exceptions to the rule, but... I want to point out those are exceptions. The the large majority of the time, those guys are going to miss a, a a good chunk of time. Yeah, I mean, there. I mean, yes, it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, but you could also point to the fact that he hadn't pitched in two and a half years, and it shouldn't really be a surprise that he's going to deal with some soreness uh, and some inflammation. And they said that it wasn't, you know, it didn't appear indicative of him needing Tommy John. I mean, you know, take what you will. I mean, I have to trust the experts on that, I guess, but yeah, I mean, I, like I said, I don't, I don't have the medical, so I can't, I can't particularly say, but what I can say is that what I saw from him, uh, he did struggle in major league baseball. Um, but when he went and pitched in triple a, he clearly outclassed the guys there, and I think it's going to be one of those things where, it, as he works himself into it, that he's going to, you know, 
hopefully ascend here. And you're going to be looking at uh, old Mike Soroka before the double Achilles injury. Um, but I would you know, be thrilled no if that, that were the case. Yeah, of course. So, yeah, I mean, I, I see where you're coming from with the uh, ticket with a grain of salt and, uh, you know, with all these guys, you know, like I, I'm, I've got video on everybody except for Nicky Lopez because everybody's seen Nicky Lopez. Everybody knows what Nicky Lopez is because we've seen him play with the Royals and he's been in the majors for several years. There haven't been any like major injuries where he kind of disappeared. Why I have video for Soroka is because the video that I've got is video from last year when he was pitching in AAA because I wanted to provide like as accurate a picture for what he is now as opposed to going back to 2000, you know, 19 when he's, you know, sixth in Cy Young and uh you know, second in rookie of the year finishes behind Pete Alonso who's hitting 50 bombs as a rookie, you know. Right. Um that's not the the Mike Soroka that I want to talk about because it doesn't really make a whole lot of sense to talk about 2019 Mike Soroka when the guy who's going to be here is going to be 2023 and beyond Mike Soroka. So I I do have some video for that. Um, You know, I, I understand, you know, and and like part of the, the thing here is that, you know, you're also, you know, you're only getting one year Soroka unless you True. manage to extend him, right? So he's only going to be here for one year. It was kind of one of those things that's probably like, you know, we lost Clevenger. Let's hope that, you know, I mean, we're going to need arms. The The White Sox are going to need arms. You know, I mean, the, you're going to need 16, 17 starting pitchers this year probably. Right. You know, I and mean, we talk about, you know, the the normal average is about 11, Right, 10 to 11 for most teams are going to have yeah, at least one start. Yep. Throughout the season, you're going to have at least 10 to 11 guys that have at least one start. Yeah, so I mean I'm just assuming that uh when when your quality kind of dips that the amount of pitchers goes up, you know. I would say that's probably a pretty fair assessment, yes. I mean, I guess We'll find out. <laughs> right. I mean, you know, the way things are going with the South side right now, you never know. It could be 23. It could be that, you know, they're just ready to uh, pack it in and uh, we're going to see a bunch of garbage and uh, they don't really care if uh, they get four innings and get shellacked. We're going to go seven innings and get shellacked and we'll see the same seven or eight guys throughout the course of the season. <laughs> you know, I don't really know. Um, I you know and it just getting back to you know me poo pooing on the trade like I said I I don't hate it anytime you can get five players for one bullpen pitcher who yes potentially could be a guy yeah but hasn't been for a few years you know it, you're getting five for one you can't be mad about that uh, and I will say that you can color me shocked that Chris gets in the first two months of his tenure as GM was able to do such a thing. And I don't know if he had any other help within that front office to make that happen. I'm sure he did. Uh, He did bring in a handful of people with some pretty good connections and some places around the league that they knew other people. Uh, 
probably a good chance that there were some other voices in on this, but either way, he they got it done. So, yeah, you know, like I said, I don't want to sound like I'm fully hating on this thing. I just no, want to play a little devil's advocate. I want to throw some things around out there. Hey, you what know we're what? here for. Let's discuss. We are here to discuss. We are here to bring out the positives and the negatives of this thing. Because I'm not going to sit here and blow smoke. You know that this. You know that we just traded for five potential all stars <laughs> here. You know, like that's that's not what I'm doing. Uh, Bozy's comment says, was hilarious. Yeah, I read the deal like it was making a trade in a PlayStation One MLB game, and you just keep adding players to a trade until the game has to accept because it ran out of memory to keep it going. I mean, you know, either that or the uh, that MLB trade uh, trade maker thing. You know that uh, I for, I forget what it's called, but uh, that. Uh, trade website that you know you just sit there and it calculates oh, with the, the, uh, the grades or whatever yeah yeah i mean you know yeah i mean you could look at it that way but i mean i will i will say this you know um if that's the case that that's uh what you did there i think that when you add in jared schuster into the deal that's where it kind of moves a little bit um and i'll i'll discuss that here in a in a minute but um I think that that kind of shifts the the value of the trade for the White Sox because he is uh, one of those guys that is a little bit more crafty and actually knows how to pitch. You know, he's not just blowing the ball past guys. And if he's doing that, it's because of, you know, his deception when he throws the ball um, because of his pitch mix. You know, because of movement. I mean, they're they're right. and he's also a lefty. You know, so that helps things out a lot as well. Um, you know, I'll lefty get pitcher. His, yeah. What is that? What? Yeah. What? So maybe the first start this year won't be by like a, a Tanner Banks, <laughs> or you know, like a you know just some just some rando guy that we're not used to seeing around that just happens to be like some 190 starts between left what was that? i think that was the number right 190 150 something like that it was something starts without a left-handed starter insane i mean that for a major league franchise to go that long between left-handed starts is absurd all while all while trying to force feed us that we were in our window of contention Eesh. yeah that whole thing um, i'm just saying how do you spoon feed that to the fan base that's going wait a minute where's our lefty starters i don't know take a look at i don't know 95 percent of the playoff teams over the last decade and tell me how many of them have no left-handed starters it's, it's far and few between i'll say that i mean i know that i mean left-handed starters are harder to find that are, of course they that are. are good, you know, because the, the percentages are, but you should have at least one to throw off, you know, to change things up when you're, if you're doing a, a, a four game set in some cases against, you know, some of these teams and you're going to throw four back-to-back right-handers and three of those four right-handers, they're, Top three pitches are all fastballs. In Lance Lynn's case, every pitch he has in his arsenal is a fastball, or at least any effective one. Worked well against Houston. <laughs> sure did. Oof. Yeah. I, you know, anywho, again, getting off the topic here. But, yeah. I mean, come on. All right. So, 
Uh, figure we'll go through uh, each one of these guys that the White Sox picked up, so uh, everybody can kind of digest what the White Sox have received from the Atlanta Braves. Uh, first guy up, Nicky Lopez. No video because everybody's seen him play against the White Sox for. Uh, I don't know, like six years, something like that. Naperville Central's own Nikki Lopez. Um, uh, more local talent coming yeah, home. Yeah, I mean, so more or less what you're looking at with Nikki Lopez, uh, unless you go to 2021, where he slashed 300, 365, 378 at a, a 744 OPS, that was the only time in his career that he's been above average in OPS plus he had 104 in 2021 this last season where he was dealt to Atlanta uh, when he was with Atlanta Atlanta only in 25 games towards the end of the year uh, playing you know just a a platoon role uh, filling in for injuries Uh, in 25 games he had an 89 OPS plus and that's the closest to 100 that he's come since he hit 104 in 2021, uh, you're looking at uh, 2019, a 58, 2020, a 51, 2022, a 58. Wow. 2023 with the Royals, 69, and with the Dude. Atlanta Braves, an 89. Cool. He's on a, at least he's on a little bit of an upward tick. I mean, I'd say it's safe to say that he is a glove first (laughs) player. Um, One thing that he does well, other than use the glove, is he runs the base as well. And he can be annoying on the base pass. And I will I will grant them that Uh, the the major issue is that unless you're in the uh, Atlantic League, you can't steal first base. No, you cannot. (laughs) So, uh, you know, granted, his on-base percentage is, you know, even in uh, with, with the Royals this year, his on-base percentage was 90 points higher than his batting average. So, he did, you know, he does take his walks, and he does have a good eye. So I'll, I'll give him that. But the issue still is, is that the guy just doesn't hit. You know, uh, he doesn't hit for power. Uh, he doesn't really get that many hits to be honest. I mean, more or less you're getting this guy specifically because of his glove and he does have a really, he has a real solid glove and his arm's pretty good. You know I mean? He's not, you know, uh, O'Neill Cruz or uh, Ellie Dela Cruz out there throwing at 103, but I mean, he's, he's got a fairly decent arm. So, you know, I don't know. Say what you will. I, I'm not expecting anything out of the bat, but if Chris Getz's philosophy is to get better defensively, by bringing him in, they definitely did that. Your feeling? Yeah. Now, let me ask you this. Where does he play? Is he, are, are we putting him, are we, we, we just plugging him in at second base at this particular moment? Is that what we're talking about here? And, and the only reason I ask, again, I'm, I'm just going to play a little bit of devil's advocate on these guys that were coming over in the bummer trade. Uh, do we or do we not 
have within our own minor league system at the moment a couple of guys who can play some solid defense at second base. See, now here's here's where things kind of get a little bit weird, right? Is that if you listen to 80% of the uh, bloggers and fans, prospects or suspects, and they want proven major leaguers on the team. Well, guess what? Nicky Lopez has been a major leaguer since 2019. I mean... Besides the fact that he's got a 73 career OPS plus, which means he's 27% below average with the bat. Uh, If you look at Jose Rodriguez, if you look at Lenin Sosa, if you look at Zach Remillard, um, you might, with uh, Lenin Sosa and Zach Remillard, you're not looking at a plus glove. You are looking at a pretty good glove you know nothing nothing great you know at second base but capable you know and they're not going to uh embarrass you a lot out there anyway right right and i would like to think that uh over a full season that lenny sosa would provide you with more than a 73 ops plus uh and you know when when you go to in a five-year career, only having one year above average with the bat, and that you know that's without any power whatsoever. That maybe having Lenin Sosa there with the ability to give you a little bit more power, and judging by what we've seen from him, where he generally takes a while to warm up to a level, right? Right. That maybe he does do that. But I, I think that I think that the the thing here and uh I'll get to Jose Rodriguez in a second here. Um but That's where I was gonna go next. Yeah. But. If you're you know that the team's gonna be bad, right? Okay. Right. So uh getting better defensively is going to help you win seven games. Eight games. Probably. Josh Barfield seems to think it can even net you upwards of 15 games. Okay, fine. Uh, Last year, the White Sox lost 101. So 15 games of improvement puts you at 75 wins, which is not going to cut it. Right, Right, exactly. So my point here is that we know that the pitchers are going to take their lumps. And if you trade Dylan Cease... That you're taking even more lumps because you've got less of a high upside guy that's going to be taking 30 starts out of the year. So my point kind of is, right now is exactly when you have to figure out who those guys are. And if you are taking the guys from this deal and you're seeing their offensive numbers and you're saying to yourself, that's good depth for AAA, fine. Like, I get that. Okay. But All to, right. you know, like, in my opinion, if you're keeping these guys down in the minors specifically for guy, these guys that you got in the trade, when you look at their bats and, you know, I mean, we'll get into it, but, I mean, not one of them is a plus bat, you know, and hasn't not a been. a single one. No, right. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, we're essentially looking at, you know, 
you know, two guys that they got and neither one of them has really done anything in the major leagues. Uh, you know, Shoemake hasn't, has only played one game in major league baseball. Right. So, and that's right. whatever, but, um, we know that Nicky Lopez can't hit. Okay. But we know he's got a great bat or a great glove. He now, does indeed. Now, Jose Rodriguez, on the other hand, you know, yes, he does take some time to warm up to a level. We have also seen this with him. Uh, however, what we've also seen from him is, you know, if you go back into uh, at Daily White Sox Twitter, uh, where you can find uh, most, pretty much almost any White Sox minor league highlight you want to find. Um, the you, only place you're going to find as many as you will is the most comprehensive video coverage of the White Sox minor league system. Yes. Um, you will see plays by Jose Rodriguez specifically at second base last year because they played him there a lot last year uh, because he was, you know, playing with Colson Montgomery at points and, you know, in the, later on in the season. And, uh, you know, they're trying to get him more time at second base because they know they need a second baseman. So, but you watch him, he's flying all over the place, making diving stops, making great throws to first base and he can provide you power. I was going to say, he's got that 20 home run potential 20 home run kind of pop. Yeah. And like, I just feel, um, that, you know, I had this, uh, I, I mentioned this to, to beef loaf on Twitter the other day uh, that I feel that Jose Rodriguez in particular is being undervalued because he's from the white Sox system. You know, it's like most most of the time, you know, people fall in love with their own prospects. I, I feel like White Sox fans are so jaded and so angered by the failure of this rebuild that they refuse to accept that possibly one of the prospects in the minor league system, other than Colson Montgomery, could be a guy and Ramos could be a guy, <laughs> you know, right. and right. Like there's I, no way that Kenny. Or Rick during their regime hit on anyone. No, yeah, absolutely. no possible way. All right, so what I'm going to do here? Yeah, um, Ian's over there in his control room. He's got like 47. I have. Looks s- like he's ready to fly the Enterprise. Of uh, I, you know, I've seen the uh, seen photos of uh, Ian's workspace. So you guys haven't. It's uh, it's it's impressive. Let's just say I that. have so many windows open right now. <laughs> I probably I probably have like. Uh, Probably about 30 tabs open here. So, um, all right. So, moving on to the next guy. Uh, since we talked about uh, Nicky Lopez and what to expect from him, we know. Uh, so, Mike Soroka, 26 years old. He's got one year left on his deal. Um, probably, just like Nicky Lopez, was probably going to be non-tendered. Um, but in order to get some extra... Guys, to us and to like Bozy said, uh, fill up the the trade machine so you could uh, trick it into giving you things. Um, Mike Soroka's in here, and uh, like I said, he's second in rookie of the year, lost to Pete Alonso, um, finished sixth in Cy Young that year, twenty twenty. I think it was like his second start or something. Uh, blew out his Achilles, and you know he got. Healthy ish ruptured it again, set him back a while. So yeah, that's tough. 
two and a half years later, uh, Mike Soroka makes his way back last year uh, after missing uh, 21 and 22. And, you know, I give or take some, you know, because it was only a 60-game season in 2020. But uh, so he pitched, like we said, he did pitch some with Atlanta last year. And uh, he did, uh, he went two and two with a 6.4 ERA. You know, like I said, he was giving up more hits than he was used to with Atlanta. Uh, His whip was a 1.48 with Atlanta, which actually, when you talk about that, uh, he probably would have been one of the better pitchers on the White Sox last year. Yeah, I was just about to say. Yeah, so uh, he threw 32 innings last year. 29 strikeouts, which is not, you know, great for him, but it's still one an inning, um, which you can, you know, you could live with that knowing that he's building back. Uh, But he did throw uh, 17 starts for Gwinnett last year. Um, I'm pretty sure they were all for Gwinnett. The Stripers. Yes, the Gwinnett Stripers. Uh, And he had a 1.07 whip in that time. Um. He had 92 strikeouts in 87 innings, and uh, stats. Uh, the 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 video that I'm going to bring up right here is going to show some of his arsenal, so you can see what his pitches look like right now. And uh, it happens to be against the Charlotte Knights. And in this particular game, he threw a seven inning shutout, complete game, because it was half of a doubleheader. He allowed three hits and he struck out eight. So I'm going to go ahead and uh, move yeah, let's over see to this. that. Here we are. All right. So let's go ahead and uh, fire that up. Make sure I got the audio. Got on. I do. All right. Here we go. And he gets a huge strikeout. 94 on the outer third. Three strikeouts. There's a strikeout. Good breaking ball. That was filthy. Yep. Comes back with the fastball, not messing around. 94 right by the swing of Nezlo after a terrific outing against Jacksonville. <clears throat> fastball, inning over. 9,500 RBIs since Brad Eldred in 2008. RBI games together. Here's a strikeout, big strikeout of. And and now you're in a. That's a nasty fastball right there. The out. Right handers tonight. Strikes him out. Got a foul. Strike three. Breaking ball on that swing and miss. All right. So what you're looking at there uh, is Mike Soroka absolutely victimizing his potential <laughs> battery mate in Corey Lee, striking out three times. And in that last at bat, four of the five pitches were breaking balls. The came absolutely nowhere close to putting anything fair. Um, the stuff is there. Um, and that that uh, that start, I believe, was on August 12th, I think. Um, and I think he made, um, let me go look here. Uh, it He made, let's see, one, two, three, four more starts. Uh, three more for Gwinnett and then one for Atlanta. And the one in Atlanta did not go so hot. Uh, versus the Cardinals. Uh, he only pitched three innings and gave up five runs. Um, but I think his arm was probably gassed at that point. So that that's not really all that shocking, right? 
Um, but as you can see from the video, you know, the, the breaking balls are sharp and the velocity is there. He's hitting like 96 miles an hour. So, you know, physically, Hey, you uh, take if, that 96, unless your name's Garrett Crochet. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's the same thing with, uh, you know, Zach Birdie, you know, when it's right. 96, if it's going to be straight, it, it's not going to work as well. 96, you know, no, nah, it's going to go 196 off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Um, so the pitch shapes look good, you know, and it looks like when he's comfortable, he's overmatching hitters. Uh, I think the, the issue comes when, you know, he's, he's probably, he's probably pressing is my guess a little bit. And his arms are also gassed towards the end of the year. And, you know, if you look at his, uh, his triple A numbers, you know, coming in with a 1.07 whip, Clearly, he was he was pitching better in AAA, you know, than he did the majors, which not really a, a shocker there. But uh, you know, he had a couple of decent innings with the Braves as well. Um, granted, uh, you know, nothing great, just like a couple of decent outings. You know, he had six innings right. against the Marlins where he gave up three runs, not bad. Um, but uh, you know, again, you know, we talk about taking things with a grain of salt, uh, not expecting him to come back as 2019 Mike Soroka. You know, you just hope that, you know, you're getting 20 starts out of Mike Soroka and he gives you a, a, a decent whip and a decent ERA and gets you through part of the season, you know? I mean, that's essentially what you're trying to do this in, in 2024 is get through the season and uh, buy yourself some time to, you know, essentially let guys develop a little bit more before you start pressing some of these prospects up and, you know, not uh, blow smoke and tell people that we're not rebuilding when clearly, you know, you're hoping that uh, you're buying, I mean, essentially you are buying time. So, um, so the, the other developed pitcher that they got in this deal was Jared Schuster, and he was the number one prospect for the Braves in 2022. Um, uh, 2023, at the beginning of the season, I believe he was also the number one prospect, and he pitched for them in the Futures game. Um, he got Oscar Colas out in that, you know, in that inning that he had in that. Um, and if you look at his stats... In uh, 2022, in 2022, he's got a 3.29 ERA and a uh, 1.05 WHIP, and that's between Double A and Triple A. And in Triple A in 2022, he had a 4.25 ERA, which is not great, but his WHIP was a 1.21. Now, fast forward to 2023, and he's got 65 strikeouts to 45 walks as opposed to the year before where he had 39 strikeouts and 16 walks in AAA, and in AA he had 106 strikeouts to 22 walks. Okay, so clearly there was some sort of a command issue with him in 2023, some sort of something was off kilter. I'm not entirely sure what it was, um, assuming that his body's healthy. Um, but... 
Uh, I'm going to bring up the video here in a second. And he is a uh, one of those quote unquote crafty lefty guys, you know, uh, a la, you know, Mark Burley type thing where he's got some nice movement on his pitches and his his motion is very deceptive. So um, if you, you know, when you're watching this, watch his arm motion and watch where the ball is in relation to the hitter. They can't see the ball. And then when he comes through the ball, he comes through quick on his follow through. And like these guys just don't get time to see the ball. So that throws, this is throwing the timing off, which is the name of the game, especially for a guy like him. And when he mixes his pitches well, it makes it really hard for these guys to square them up. And uh, I also uh, brought this video is uh, also against the Charlotte Knights because I wanted to keep it. Uh, I wanted to keep things consistent here. Uh, you'll recognize some of these hitters here. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and move over there. Boom. All right, and here is Jared Schuster at the end of last year. And they first Marlins, Astros, Mets, Cubs. Twisting and dealing is Schuster and finding the journeyman here on this roster. Here's the one, two. Swing and a miss. Strike three. How about the back in left center? Jake Marisnik. His first time up tonight. Ninth the journeyman. Kata, Yo, yo. Out of the rehab assignment. First pitch from Shehabs. Here's mm. the one, one. Pounding the in for the sign from Darno. Here's the one-two pitch. Back foot slur to the day. Here's the Keep two, in mind, two this is also Yohan's first uh, first or second game three, back. Two on Schuster. Swing and a miss. Strike three. Down goes yeah, Yohan. It's just really like Yo-Yo to watch the one right down. Stance of oh, his boy. as he tries to check, but goes to the front left corner. And he'll take a look. Two-two on the way. High. It's a full. Two. Swing and a miss. Strike three. First pitch. A strike at 82. Yeah, he comes Again, through quick with Elmer it. Sanchez, it, it moves. Rimelard tries a bunt. He'll wave and miss here. Schuster's 2-1. Rides inside. Three balls, one strike. 3-1. Called strike Zach, three. Zachy Flats. Up here. And Schuster's just getting move inside. Oh, one swing on and miss. Here. Swing <laughs> and miss. Oh, that last swing was ugly. Yeah, that was because, a, that was a oh my god save me swing. Yeah, that was a, he was not expecting three fastballs in a row because that guy's changeup <laughs> and his curveball or slider are uh, are both great pitches for him and usually put away pitches. And he dotted it right on the outside part of the plate, and Yolmer Gilbert just had absolutely no chance. No, um, I got to say that the the movement on some of those breaking balls that we just watched and if it uh. You know, maybe not the biggest breaks on some of those, but uh, as you know, you and I and and most other people would say that uh, no pitching, uh, the shape is more important than the amount of break, right? And some of those had a little bit of a late break on them where, you know, you're not going to get good solid contact on those pitches. So even if it's not the biggest of breaking balls, Definitely some pretty pitches thrown in there. Yeah, and the thing is, is that, you know, like like I mentioned, the, the deception on those pitches, these guys, like, they don't have time, you know, because his tunneling's good. So when the ball's coming out and it comes out quick, you don't know what, you know, you have to make your mind up real quick what it's going to be. I mean, the thing is, is that he doesn't throw very hard. I, I think his... Uh, 
I think all of his fastballs were coming in at like 91 on the dot, 91-2, 91-3. You know, I mean, it wasn't anything above 91 that I saw in the entire uh, in that entire outing. And uh, you know, it's just with the the mix of his pitches and with his deception, these you know people just have a hard time picking it up. So he could be he could end up being one of those guys that sneaks his way into the starting rotation and is productive, you know, but the thing is the thing that they're going to have to do is they're going to have to cut down on those walks because walks for him are deadly, you know, because if he has to leave something over the middle, it's not going to work out as well as, you know, you would hope I would imagine. No. Um, All right. So next guy on the list, Braden Shoemake, uh, was the number one uh, pick in 2019 out of Texas A&M for the for the Braves? Uh, if you look at his college stats for Texas A&M, they're real good. Uh, oh yeah, it's uh, 320. You know, average 328, 325, 313 in three years. Uh, slugging of 529, 450, and 474. Uh, with on base percentage of 374, 395, and 374. So he's putting up, you know, 900 or like, uh, yeah, 900 OPSs at Texas AM. So, not to mention out, the, the defense that this guy plays. But, anyways, we'll probably defense. get into that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, you'll certainly get into that. Uh, you know, he's hitting not a ton of home runs in college, but he's hitting some. Uh, which is carried, which is carried through. Uh, he's still hitting some home runs. Is it's going to be like one of those guys where he's going to hit probably in a full season in the majors. You know, he'd probably run into fifteen. You know, uh, not anything worth writing home about. Uh, the issue is that no, oh, but on we, this White Sox team, <laughs> that would be like a uh, third best on the team <laughs> at last oh, year. That's so sad. Um, so. The issue is with Braden Shoemake is that since he's come into pro ball, um, mm. where he did well in 2019 in A ball. Um, go ahead and bring that up. Right here. Uh, uh, you know what? I'm going to ask you to uh, throw up a logo for me while you go over those numbers. Oh, yeah, sure thing. Uh, uh, I do have some of those numbers in front of me, so I won't miss anything. Uh, and I will be back momentarily. There we like go. The, uh, you know, just so our listeners know that it's not. Eh, yeah, it's, it's all right. That's right now. It's good enough. Um, to, yeah, coffee's so, running through me here. Gotcha. In in a ball in 2019, Brain Shoemaker hit 300, 371, 425. Had a 796 OPS. Uh, the issue is that he got bumped to Double A in that season. And in that season, he only played in 14 games there, but he slashed 217, 288, 217. Uh, good for a 505 OPS. Uh, the other issue is that uh, in AA the next season, in 2021, after his year off uh, for the lockdown year, he came back and hit uh, 228, 271, 401. Good for 672 OPS. So you're hoping that, uh, you know, that's uh that he's that he would progress well they bumped him to AAA in 2022 due to age and just uh you know the glove's really good so you're not going to hold him back if you feel like he's making some sort of a 
uh, progression in his hitting. Um, the issue is, is that, uh, in 2022, he slashed 259, 316, 399, which, you know, is remarkably better in 2022. But in 2023, he regressed down to 234, 298, 407. And, uh, you know, he did walk a little bit more. Uh, he took some walks, took 39 walks. But the thing is, is that they never quite got what they were hoping for from Braden Schumann offensively. Uh, just the, 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 the bat just never took off. And, uh, you know, the, the numbers are nowhere close. Are you, are you back, Danny? Uh, I am back indeed. <clears throat> All right. So, yeah, so the, the, the numbers with the bat just never caught up to the glove like they had hoped. Uh, the, he was always a stud with the glove in college. Uh, the thing was is that in college he was hitting. Now, in Double A AA and Triple A, just the numbers have not have not gotten there, and he hasn't hit uh, hasn't hit well enough to get promoted. And he finally did play in one game this year. Uh, with the Atlanta Braves, and it was in May, and he went 0 for 4. I've got some video of that here. Uh, go ahead and bring up some of this stuff. Here's the Braden Shoemake video. And, uh, you know, just in case you uh, were wondering, to right field, gentry back onto the Jalen Hurts and Devontae Smith did just enough to secure me the win. More runs than hits in this contest. Shoemake swings, hits a high fly ball. I was very Looking worried. Shorts the foul pole. Shoemake's <laughs> left the yard again. Interesting catcher squat from Brantley. Shoemake clubs this out to right field. Forget it. This one is way gone. Braden Shoemake tees off. And Two ERA. Ground ball. Backhand Shoemake throws. Fades away. Oh my. Jay forgot. Oh my. Hard ground oh ball up the middle, diving to his left. Play made, a throw from the knee by the second baseman and the out. Three base with one out. First pitch is lined and a leaping catch. Snatched out of the air by Braden Schumann. So the gloves are pretty good. That's what I was getting at. When now look we at this range. Charging in. Uh, the unfortunate thing is. The ball Ouch. is loose. That's a fair ball. Legging for third. The unfortunate thing with that range is that he made it so far into left field, he ran into the left fielder and ended up injuring himself. Um, Does but it look familiar? That yeah. looks like a totally White Sox thing. They saw that play, and they were like, this is our guy. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I'm not uh, – that's kind of, yeah, one of those uh, White Sox like, plays. Do not range into center field and do that to Luis Robert. He's had it yeah. happen to him enough in his no. short career already. Although if they've got Eloy in left field, uh, maybe that might not be a well, bad, <laughs> bad idea. I mean, Eloy, if they're going to put Eloy in left field, they're picking dandelions. Yeah. Um, Just throw your glove on top of your head, dude. And, uh, you know, you can come in and swing the bat a little bit later. Yep. Uh, so this is a nice play that he makes here. Unfortunately, he can't get the transfer out of out of the glove. But nice, nice stop. I mean, that would have been a Aaron Bummer special right there. Uh, <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> yeah, you saw him strike out in his first at bat. He ground out to the catcher, grounded out to the first baseman. Real nice play on that low liner right there. That's a very hard play to make. 
and then he lines out to left field. That is his final at bat in that game. And uh, he ends up uh, coming in the next day as a defensive replacement in the ninth inning and then got sent back down. So he made, uh, you know, it is the proverbial cup of coffee, literally stayed there long enough to have, you know, a cup of coffee and a bite and then uh, went back down to Gwinnett. Um, Hey, some coffee. We'll talk. Yeah. So great glove. Uh, really good base runner, uh, but just the the bat is just not, um, you know, it's not anything to write home about. Um, personally, you know, like I like I said about uh, Nicky Lopez, is that uh, I don't really see, you know, that we wouldn't have somebody who could hit two thirty. <laughs> In, in the majors, uh, I kind of feel like we have that guy uh, with, uh, you know, a little bit more power. Um, but uh, the glove is good. So, uh, like I said, raising the floor, not necessarily, you know, putting, uh, you know, putting together some sort of powerhouse roster here, but it definitely improving the, the fielding, the fielding at least, you know. Yeah. Um, so the last guy out of straight out of Libertyville and he is a Cubs fan. Uh I did uh happen to happen upon his Twitter and there's a picture of Wrigley Field on the on the top banner, which you know, gonna have to change. Whatever. Um but uh ninth yeah, rounder definitely. out of the U of I, uh Riley Gowans, uh right handed pitcher, uh big dude. Uh I think he's like six five um or six four, something like that. Big dude. Um 96, 95 mile an hour fastball, uh, nice slider, nice change up. Um, and usually from, from what I saw about, uh, 82, 81 on the change up and on the slider. Uh, so you get some nice, uh, you know, some nice velo variation there. Um, that said, he's fresh out of college. You know, right. And he throws out of the stretch all the time from what I've seen here. So my guess is, is that they wanted to simplify his delivery and have him going from a stretch. Uh, and I would assume that they probably uh, had kind of have him pegged as a, a in a reliever role. Um, yeah, I would guess so, too. Most guys you see throw strictly out of the stretch. It's because it's a mechanics thing. Yep. If they get too uh, long in their delivery, uh, they get a little wonky. So, yeah, and that usually does translate to being a reliever. Um, I did notice that he does throw a four-seam and a two-seam, and uh, the two-seam, I've seen it get, uh, just in the, the very small sample size here that I've seen, I've seen it go uh, a couple inches arm side to, like, a foot arm side. So it's it's got some it's got some pretty nasty movement on it and uh not a whole lot of solid contact on him in the uh in the game that I saw but then again you know small sample size song um so I'll go ahead and uh play this here Riley Gowans throw two pitch taken right down the middle strike 3 called six runs batted in since then and a big swing and a miss here it is now an out to business Alcantara in the box he'll foul the first pitch off he had oh two pitch is taking strike three called off any player under contract with the Sox majors I think might have gone 450 feet it hit the some refining in zone 1-1 down and away 
a number of professionals here as Feliz fouls this one off. And 2 2 pitch is strike three called. Caught stealing second. Bullet. Yeah. Third man caught by Godman this year. It's his home run on Tuesday night, and he'll take a strike here. Two for his first 13 in affiliated baseball. He'll take 36 pitches, and he'll get a strikeout here as Tucker chases a break far from Truist. So foul this one off. Soccer, too. 0 2 is taken inside for a ball. That's I think. close. And the pitch is waved at and missed. And he gets a huge strike. Yeah, so uh, that's Riley Gowans. Um, you know, like I said, probably a reliever. You know, probably not going to start. He did start uh, that particular game. Um, but the other one was in relief in uh, A-ball. So, you know, um, again, you know, this is uh, you take these things with a grain of salt. We'll see what it does for the White Sox roster. Um, that said, you did save a little bit of payroll. I think you saved about $5 million letting uh, Aaron Bummer loose. Uh, between that and Tim Anderson and shedding the, the Liam payroll as well, you know, you're looking at like $45 million off the payroll for this season. I mean, granted, you still have to pay a million and a half to Liam for the next 10, 10 years on that Bobby Bonilla deal. But uh, they've trimmed the payroll considerably. And, uh, I mean, how much worse than 101 losses can you get so I don't know as if they necessarily really made the team, you know, results-wise anyway, uh, that much worse. So, right. And, you know, when you uh, when you hear that, uh, oh, I mean, not here, it was said that basically uh, it was almost as if they were warning the White Sox fandom as a, as a whole that, uh, hey, you know, we're probably not going to be anywhere near as close in payroll as we have been the last two seasons. Yeah, We've probably. been forewarned. It's yeah. probably a good thing, by the way. There's really no point, honestly, in spending that kind of money right now because there are so many holes in the team, any type of contender in in the division even. Uh, which It would just be pointless to spend that kind of money. Uh, you, there's just I don't know that there's any way to fill every hole with... I, I, with every every guy that, that fills a hole is not going to be a guy that was probably going to play in the MLB on many other teams. Yeah, if you're looking for players of consequence, <laughs> that's not that's not what we're dealing with here. <laughs> no, you're probably going to see some guys that would be on play team somewhere else in the majors it, it, if they were not here on the south side. Yeah, I you know I will see what the uh, what the results end up being. I mean. Who knows? Could be well, like you good. say, can't get much worse. Yeah, I, I mean, at least, at least a solid defensive infield and outfield would at least give us something that we're not like banging our heads against the wall about, you know? Right. Well, what's the old saying? Uh, you're going to win sixty and lose sixty, and what you do with the forty in between is uh, makes you or breaks you. Uh you know, looking at the White Sox record last year, they <laughs> they lost pretty much all forty. All four, one. all four, uh, forty-one of the forty-one. 42. Yep, <laughs> ugly. So, yeah, 
All right. Well, uh, you have anything else for the uh, for the rest of the week? No, uh, I think uh, I think we've covered uh, all the news pretty well here. Uh, I don't want to uh, beat any horses dead this week, so I'm Sounds I'm good, good, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, hope that uh, everybody that uh, watched and will listen on the podcast. Hope that this uh, gives you a little bit of you know a basis of knowledge to. Uh, base your feelings on the trade despite the fact that uh we know that uh, you're probably angry and very sad that Aaron Bummer is gone um we at least want to give you some uh you know a little bit of comfort here knowing that uh there's a at least some return <laughs> although right. uh that's uh me being sarcastic cuz nobody's <laughs> uh, nobody's missing not not many people are missing Aaron Bummer being gone um no anywho no not at all uh, uh I would like to say thank you to uh all our I did see uh a few new names checking in with us. Uh if you're still here or if you are listening in podcast form later on, thanks for checking in with us. I do appreciate that. Uh a few of those names I actually happen to personally and I will uh I will buy you a beer next time I see you. Yay yay. All right, well, uh, at Daily White Sox on Twitter, you can find all of our uh, minor league highlights, uh, you know, basically any news about the White Sox, more or less. Um, My name is Ian Eskridge, at iEskridge on Twitter. Uh, My co-host, Danny Miller, at Danny Miller WSD on Twitter. Um, You can find our written content and uh, all these podcasts as well uh whitesoxdaily.substack.com hey thanks james appreciate it um also uh you can also find this podcast and listen to it on anywhere that you get your podcasts uh we have a youtube channel uh we broadcast also uh for the probably the second full time on uh, our facebook page tonight as well so you could watch it there if you feel so inclined um Thank you so much for coming in and hanging out and watching and uh, listening. And if you are listening to the podcast at a later date, we appreciate you. Uh, You guys have a great week, and we will catch up with you guys after Turkey Day. Happy Thanksgiving, and we will talk to you guys later. Thanks. Have a great night.